Please pray with me. Open the door to our hearts, Lord, to our minds and to our spirits, that the King of glory may come in and forever be our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So about six weeks ago, somewhere around that time, Brooke sent out an email to all the clergy with um, how he would like for us to serve in the upcoming weeks. We call it the clergy rotation. And um, I want to clue you in on what happens to me anytime I see my name under the preacher category. So what happens is my first thought is, quick, go see what the lessons are for that day. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, what if the Old Testament is from Leviticus? Or, or the psalm is all of 119, which is only 176 verses. And, and what if the New Testament is from Revelation? Or the gospel is all of the Sermon on the Mount, you know. And so that's kind of what's going through this brain. So I, I always quickly go to the lectionary to see what the readings are for the day. And God has been so faithful because so far I haven't come up on what I just mentioned. <laughs> um, and this time, what the Lord led me to, can you go ahead, David, and get this first slide up for me? Was the Colossians passage. Now, keep in mind, I've just skimmed through them quickly to see what there is, what, what is um, listed for today. And I've just skimmed through them quickly. But the Colossians passage, even at a, at a first glance, was the one that kept coming to mind. And I thought about it a little bit, and if you'd asked me back then, right when I had skimmed through it, what is it about, I probably would have said, well, Paul has written a letter, and there's this list of things that we're not to do and a list of things that we are to do. Pretty simple. That was what I got from the first skim. And I thought, it's a little bit like New Year's resolutions. And I know you can't see this very well, but the first phrase says, in this coming year, I will not. I get that. Most of us have made resolutions, and and we've started with, this year I'm not going to eat too many sweets, and I'm not going to complain, and I won't overspend, and I won't text while I'm driving. And then that second phrase says, in this coming year, I will. And we often put things in terms of what we will do. I will eat more healthy foods. I will exercise regularly. I think those are the top two, by the way, on New Year's resolutions around the world, probably. I will speak only positive and uplifting things. I will hold to my budget. I think most of us um, would say, would understand pretty obviously why we make resolutions like those. If someone were to say, what are your reasons, we could rattle off our reasons pretty quickly. And I thought about that, and I was thinking, but what compels us to actually do something about it? What is the compelling reason behind what we might make as resolutions? And I went to the dictionary and looked up that term. A compelling argument or reason is one that convinces you that something is true or that something should be done. Pretty simple to figure out. Some compelling reasons not to eat too many sweets, 
to, to eat a healthy diet, to exercise, or to live longer, to have a better quality of life, and to avoid those diseases that come from not taking care of our bodies. A compelling reason not to text and drive, pretty simple, so that we don't have an accident and harm ourselves or anyone around us. And so if we were to read this passage from Colossians with that, with that in mind as a, as a list of do's and don'ts, it's pretty obvious to see what Paul is suggesting or telling the Colossians to do. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. I don't know about you, but that kind of doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. I think we get it. I think all of us would say those are clearly things that are appropriate for a I will not list in the coming year. And then on the, on the second half of the list, we read, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Again, it doesn't take a whole lot of figuring it out to understand that compassion and kindness and humility and forgiveness are good things. They're things that that we appropriately would want on, I will be more compassionate. I will be more humble. I will be more kind. I will forgive as the Lord has forgiven me. But then I started thinking, but what is the compelling reason for the I will not list. And what is the compelling reason for the I will list? And so in considering this letter from Paul, it's clear that his motive isn't to provide a list of do's and don'ts. If we consider the whole letter, here are a few interesting things. Paul didn't start this church. It was begun by Epaphras, a fellow servant of his. He had never even visited with them. This church was young, and it was being threatened by heretical teachings and beliefs. And so I suspect that Epaphras reached out to Paul for advice. What do I do? What do I tell everybody? They're, they're struggling with including these heretical teachings along with the teachings that I've given them that, that you give, and, and what do I do? And I'm thinking, you know, if it were a list of do's and don'ts, Paul might have just said, hey, Tell them to do this and tell them not to do that. Or Paul might have gone ahead and written a letter, but he would have greeted them and said, okay, do this and do that. But he didn't do that. Leading up to today's reading in what now we call the first and second chapters of Colossians, he talks about the supremacy of Christ. He reminds them of his labor for the church and his concern for their spiritual welfare. He warns them to guard against and reject false teachers. This, this isn't about just a list of do's and don'ts for keeping the law. In these first two chapters, he reminds them of what they've already learned and provides compelling reasons 
for the behaviors that he is recommending they stop or start. We begin our reading in verse 5 that starts with the word, therefore. And so when I see that word, therefore, I always think that the person is saying, in light of everything I've just said, here's the next step. And so I feel like that's what Paul was saying. And it would be good to read those whole first two chapters to understand what he's wrapping today's lesson around. But we're not going to do that. But I will back up and begin in verse 1 of chapter 3, where Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so right away in, that, in those first three verses, I see two very compelling reasons that Paul has, is giving them for what is to follow. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. He's talking about their identity. He's talking about a transformation that has come into their life. And in verse 3, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, I confess that I started looking up some commentaries on what those two verses mean. And I thought, well, we'll be there all day trying to sort out the deep theology in this. And more than likely, I probably would just say, take it, Larry, because it's, it's huge. It's very huge. But I found these two simple explanations. Since we are in Christ, his death to sin is our death to sin. And this means that sin no longer has a claim on our lives. We have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom, from the domain of darkness, from the kingdom of sin. And also, Christ was raised from the dead, and in his resurrection, he defeated death itself. He would never die again. Death no longer has any claim on his life. And since we're in Christ, the resurrection from the dead is our resurrection from the dead. Sin no longer has a claim on our lives, and his resurrection is our resurrection. And I don't know about you, but I find those pretty strong, compelling reasons to live a new way. And then in today's reading, actually, in the midst of the, the to-do list and the, to -do, and the don't list, is verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Paul's reminding them, you used to do these things. And then he reminds them in verse 9, you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator before and after. Before we were free from sin and death, we used to do the things on the don't do list. But after, we don't do those anymore. And now we do the things on the do list. At least that is our goal and our hope. Paul goes on to say, Therefore, 
again, because of everything else I've said, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We clothe ourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. We bear with each other and forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us. And then I love this. Paul kind of ties a bow on the package when he says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. It's as though he's saying, and now because of everything I've said, what we call chapter 1 and chapter 2, and because you are now God's holy, chosen, dearly loved people, here's how you live. Not just by behaving a certain way, but out of genuine love for Christ and for others. And so as I made this journey through this passage, it just changed completely how it looked. It no longer looked like uh, just a list of do's and don'ts, uh, uh, resolutions of what I will not do and what I will do. Paul makes it clear it's about so much more than just behaving do's and don'ts. I started thinking about how we raise up children. We say to them, don't run into the street. It's important to say that to kids, right? But how different if we say, don't run into the street because there's traffic and a car could hit you and you would be hurt and that would make me very sad because I love you so much. Or we say, do your homework. Or we say, do your homework. Your good grades will help you get into college and help you have a good career. Compelling reasons for certain behaviors build knowledge in us and understanding. And I believe those lead to wisdom, and I believe they lead to motivation. I think we're more motivated when we have a heart reason to engage. There are other scriptures that compel us. Um, One of my favorites from 1 Corinthians, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. A very high price, the death of Christ on the cross. That's a good reminder to me that it's not about following do's and don'ts. From Ephesians, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self, Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And one more from Ephesians. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Compelling reasons. Find out what pleases the Lord. So these truths and many more I know have convinced me and and many of you that there's something that is true and that there is something that should be done. And Paul writes about it when he says, here's what's to be done. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Rid yourself of anger and rage and malice and slander. Don't lie to each other. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. 
As I was preparing this, it occurred to me that in the absence of a compelling reason, we could still be motivated. Um, Do your homework might be enough, followed by, of course, I'm your mother, I'm your father, I say so, period. You don't need an explanation. And it probably will get the behavior that you're looking for, but it kind of reminds me of this person. There's, there's no compelling reason. There's just the command to, to, to do something, to turn, and then to not burn. And I'm thinking, you know, that sign might motivate a person or two, but I just doubt it very much. Without the compelling reason, the understanding of who Christ is and what he did in our lives, we don't have that motivation, that heart motivation to make a change. And so what do we do? What do I do? And I start with myself, and I ask myself, am I living the way that I do based on just a list of what seems good and nice and helps to work to keep us all getting along? Or do I live my life understanding that the old is gone and that in Christ I'm a new creation? The new has come. That hopefully is motivation to live a certain way based on a relationship and based on the transformation in my life. And then I started thinking, well, how, how do we reach out and let other people know? How do we share the compelling reasons for becoming a Christ follower? How do we tell others that Christians aren't people who just follow a bunch of do's and don'ts? Christians are people who know we're children of the light and we want to please the Lord. We understand that sin no longer controls our lives and we're raised with Christ. More and more, our culture sees us as just a bunch of rule followers. More and more, the culture would say, they just have all these rules about what you don't and can't do. How do we engage the culture to know that there are great, compelling reasons to be a Jesus follower? One opportunity that we have coming soon to help others understand is through Alpha. The Alpha class is a safe place where people can come and learn about the Christian faith. People can bring whatever thoughts and ideas they have, whatever questions they have. They won't be judged. They won't be criticized. They'll be treated with respect. If you're new to the concept of Alpha, it's an evening where it begins with a meal, There's a short video teaching and then a time of small group discussions. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, we've done Alpha. I've done Alpha. Why are we doing it again? And I would say to that that Alpha is not a a one and done. It's not designed to be something you do one time, check it off your list, and we're done. It is a tool It has been proven to be successful around the world where people catch the vision to reach out to those who don't have a relationship with Christ. So we're doing Alpha to create that safe, friendly space where we offer knowledge, understanding, and compelling reasons to become a Christian and begin a new way of living. 
All around us are broken, hurting people. Right now, driving past this church are broken and hurting people that need to know they're loved. They need to know their sins are forgiven. They need to know that there's freedom and that they can walk in the light. I saw it just two weeks ago at Young Lives Camp. This is an all-camp photo from the building down are all the girls and babies that were at camp that year, and then along the very top row are uh, child care workers who came to serve. 140 girls at one camp heard and saw demonstrated the gospel. Child care took care of their babies. Camp work crew carried their luggage, served them meals. Program staff led them in singing and skits and games. And the main speaker clearly laid out the gospel in a way that was accessible to every girl. Everyone demonstrated by word and deed that there are compelling reasons to choose freedom in Christ. There are many ways to participate in Alpha. If you've done it before, it's actually been kind of a long time ago, so do it again. Reconnect with the vision of Alpha. If you haven't done it, sign up. Sign up to help with meals or setup or cleanup. And above all, pray. Invite people that you see in the store. Do you have any questions about the faith? We'd love to have you come hang out with us. We're going to do this casual thing where you can ask those questions. And, and it'll be a safe place to do that. Next week, we will have um, some cards that you can take that you can hand to people. I believe there's an insert in your bulletin today also with a little more information. So I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll um, come up the aisles. They're going to hand you a small card. And go ahead, guys, and start handing them out. And I don't want you to do anything with it except to hold on to it. But I'm going to suggest to you that there is at least one box on that little card that every single person in here can check. And there may be more than one box. Hopefully there will be. But in this card, it asks how you want to participate, starting with, I will pray. I will pray. Everybody can do that, no matter where you are. I took communion to a a friend who is in hospice care and is pretty much confined to her bed, and she's praying for people because she knows that's what she can do. That's something we can all do. So just hold on to it for right now, and we're going to stop and take a time for prayer, and we're just going to commit Alpha. I know that the vestry has done that. The the people that are heading it up, Dennis, is doing that. Um, But just as a congregation, as a church that says, we believe there are compelling reasons to be a Christ follower. And we want you to know what those reasons are. We're just going to take however long to pray. And then after we do that, um, see what the Lord says to you and how he leads you. And then you can fill that out and, and put it in there. On the bottom, I said, I have questions. Call me. Because I'm sure that some of you have questions. Does this mean I have to be there every single week? Well, not necessarily. As far as like clean up and set up and things, if we get the whole church behind it, we'll divide it up. But if you have any questions, check that box and someone will give you a call and answer those questions. It's not about doing another class. It's not about trying to do something that some other church is doing. 
It's taking a tool that has been given and proven effective so that people can understand the compelling reasons to be a Christ follower. So we're going to stop and take some time to pray. And then as we wind down, um, I'll end with the closing verses from today's passage. And I encourage you to pray loudly enough that we can hear you and we can join in with our amens and our support. So again, Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits that the King of glory may come in and forever be our God. Father, I thank you that Alpha is just one way that this church is presenting the compelling reasons to follow Christ. I thank you for his big house that faithfully week after week tells the kids. I thank you for Kairos outside and Kairos inside and for young lives and for the missionaries that we support and all the things that we do that say there are compelling reasons. And we think you need to know about it. And so while Alpha is not the only thing, it is one that is coming soon and that it needs your blessing and your hand on it in order for your spirit to move in the lives of those who come. And that's what we desire, Lord, for those who don't know you to understand the faith, not as a as a list of do's and don'ts that we live by, but as a genuine relationship, a genuine response, a heart-motivated response to who you are in our lives and what you've done for us. And so we close with these words of Paul. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.